this is the second week of a series that we're in uh, called The Real Thing. And uh, as defined last week, uh, the real thing is, is when you're kind of done with church as usual. You've been to hundreds of church services. You've been to hundreds, probably thousands. Some of us have been to thousands of services. You don't even know how many churches you've been to in your life. And, and you're kind of done with it, but you're not done with God. Uh, you want God. You want the presence of God in your life. But here's the thing. It needs to be the real thing. Because you're kind of done going through the motions. It's kind of nauseating. Um, what you want is you want a personal, powerful God in your life. Something personal and something powerful. Something that when you pray, something actually happens. Amen. I don't know about you, but I don't want to pray prayers and, and like have O for 75 of prayer requests. You know what I mean? I don't have to have everyone, but I better have some of them. Right? I don't have to go a hundred for a hundred, but I better have more than zero. Right? You know, and, and you want the real thing. You want something powerful. You want something personal. And, and I say personal because maybe some of you guys grew up in a church where you don't pray directly to God. You kind of talk to somebody else and they pray for you. You want them personal and you want powerful. Uh, and so today I'm going to talk about the gorilla in the room. Uh, the gorilla in the room is this uh, obvious truth that is being ignored or unaddressed. It's an obvious truth. And, and uh, one of the gorillas in the room for churches is oftentimes... Uh, we act like things are going better than what they really are. We act like that. We act like that we're, we're happy. Life is good. All we do is drink drinks with an umbrella in it. Life is awesome. And, and the reality is, is that uh, the gorilla in the room is that life is not all that awesome for everybody. And uh, if life is awesome for you, you have no prayer requests. Keep it to yourself. <laughs> All right? Keep it to yourself because the rest of us have some prayer requests. All right? Um, but, but that's the grill in the room is that there's certain things. And, and, and for most of us, everything is going well except for one thing. You ever notice that? Everything is going well except for that one thing. And, and, and that kind of ruins everything. It's kind of like, you know, the brownies that mama cooked were perfect except... She mixed in some manure in it. Everything is perfect except for the manure. You got just a little bit of manure in it. It messes up the whole thing. So you got just a little bit of manure and your whole life would be perfect if that one thing would be out. And that's the gorilla in the room. Not necessarily manure, but uh, yeah. Uh, I could have thought of another example. <laughs> Maybe I'll just stick to my notes. But there, there's something called the, the happiness uh, continuum. And the happiness continuum uh, shows different uh, spectrums of happiness. And, and, and the first one I want to talk about is just being unhappy. Just straight up unhappy. You're just not happy. Uh, you try to be happy. You try to act happy. But you're just, just not happy. Uh, and then the next um, uh, slice, if you will, on the continuum is being happy, but being happy for the wrong reasons. Uh, for instance, uh, maybe um, you're, you're only happy when you're sloppy drunk. 
It's the only time you're happy is when you're sloppy drunk. Well, that's not a good reason to be happy. You're only happy if you smoke a gallon of weed. Can you have a gallon of weed? <laughs> a pound of weed. Oh, that's better. <laughs> better just stick to what I know, right? <laughs> you're only happy if you smoke a pound of weed. That's the only time you're... Well, that's not a good, time. That's not a good reason to be happy. Uh, you're only happy if you got your whole paycheck in cash and you go to the LaBerge Hotel in Louisiana and gamble all night long. That's the only time you feel happy. That's not a good, that's not a good reason to be happy. Uh, so you're happy for the wrong reasons. And then you're happy for good reasons, right reasons. You know, you're happy when you're on vacation. You're happy because you love your job. Uh, you're, you're happy because... The income tax check just came in. These are all good reasons to be happy. Um, but what's scary about this type of happiness is there, there another name from our props. And what happens when you get the props kicked out from underneath you and you come home from vacation uh, or you don't have that job anymore? Now what happens? What, what happens when the prop gets kicked out? Um, then what happens? And then there's a, a fourth uh, type of um, happiness, if you will. I know being unhappy is not a type of happiness. Well, I guess it maybe it is. But um, happy for no reason. Happy for no reason at all. And, and see, that is, is the type of happiness that I believe that God is calling us to. It's the real thing. It's, it's, you're not happy for wrong reasons. You're not even happy for reasons that are more or less props in your life. You, there's just this state of happiness that you're in. And, and I, that's what I believe that God is calling us to. Because the props can come in and come out and come in. I read somewhere that somebody changes their career path four times before the end of their life. So things are just constantly moving and shifting uh, and we need to be able to find the real thing. And, uh, and I want to use the children of Israel as a, as a case study because uh, God called these children of Israel out of slavery. Decades, generations went by. And they were slaves to the Egyptians. It's, that's the worst life anybody could have is to be underneath somebody's rule that are literally beating you and constantly uh, threatening you. It's a terrible thing. So God said, I'm going to pull you out and, and uh, I'm going uh, to lead you out of this slavery with a guy named Moses. And, and Moses comes in and says, look, come on. And of course, there was this big, huge battle and all. But he, he led them through this sea, the Red Sea. It was unbelievable. God parted the Red Sea and they walked through it over a million people, all these former slaves. And, and all along, Moses is saying this, we're leaving slavery and God is leading us to this land that he has promised. He's bringing us to this promised land. So they go through and uh, they get out into the wilderness. They're finally all the enemies, all the Egyptians that are chasing them. They're either dead or they've stopped chasing. So finally it's like a million people is just like, that feels good. Everybody do that on three. One, two, three. Doesn't that feel good? Aren't you glad you came to church? 
so they're out there. And, and so two years, two years goes by out in the wilderness. And basically what's happening, if you read your scriptures, God is teaching them how to worship him. He's teaching them how to worship. Actually, the Bible says it like this. I've led you to the wilderness that you may worship me. Because they've been slaves for so long. They've been living without God for so long. And and God says this. I'm going to give you the promised land. Life is going to get really good. But before I bless you, I want to just have some alone time with you. Because if I bless you first, you may get so consumed with the blessing, you and I are going to get put on the back burner. That's why David said this, Lord, don't make me too rich. So I act like I don't need you, but don't make me too poor either that I might steal something. It's like, there's like this yin and yang. There's this tension where God, he wants to bless you. But have you ever been so blessed that you go weeks without acknowledging God? Uh, and so God's like, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless. Don't worry. I promised you I'm going to bless you. It's coming. But I want 24 months before it happens just to spend some time with you. And so the 24 months goes past. They've learned how to worship him. If you read it, there's like two chapters where God, where Moses is, is talking to the people and teaching them how to worship. And now it's time for the promised land. The 24 months is up and, and Moses says, all right, there it is. He, he literally points at the land. There it is. It's right there. And all 1 million people are like over the mountains. Look, wow, that's awesome. And so Moses says, look, there are some enemies over there. I don't know how many there are. I don't know how big they are. I don't know how strong they are. I don't even know too much about the land. I do know that the land, that is the land, but I don't know anything about the land. It's kind of like we're going to Utah, and I'm like, I know God wants us to move to Utah. I just don't know anything about Utah. So you fly to Utah and take pictures, bring them back, tell us what it's about. That's what it was. I want you to go over there and then come back and tell us what you see. All one million people are like, yeah, let's go. So that's where we're going to pick up reading. In Numbers chapter 13, uh, verse 18, it says this, see what the land is like and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees Do your best to bring back samples of the crops you see. It happened to be the season for harvesting the first ripe grapes. So the the spies go into the land. They literally dress up like them. They're in costume, if you will. They're undercover. And they're going through their fields, going through their backyards, and, and literally pulling grapes off the tree to bring them back. Because they've never seen grapes as big as bowling balls. Can you imagine? It, like a beach ball. A beach ball this big. Can you imagine eating a grape? <laughs> How do you eat that? Right? So they're bringing this stuff back. And then they come back and they say this in verse 27. I don't think the tech team has verse 27, but they have the rest of them. This is what their report. This was their report to Moses. 
We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit it produces, and they give them the grapes. They're like, oh my goodness. But, anytime somebody says but, right? But the people living there are powerful. And their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there. The descendants of Anak. So now they're saying, it is everything we hoped that it would be. But we didn't know there was going to be a battle. Do you know what the Bible says? Because of a great door of opportunity has opened. And opposition has been formed. Anytime an opposition is coming against you, reverse engineer what's happening. Say to yourself, wow, there might be a great door of opportunity that the enemy is fighting. Why is he fighting me? Nobody, no robber robs an empty house. If you're having opposition, if you have people coming against you, if you have challenges that just seem to be out of the ordinary, it's just too much. It's like, wow, why the intensity in my life? Did you hear that? Why the intensity? Why the health attack? Why the financial attack? Everything was going fine three years ago. What is happening? I just want to tell you. You can see the battle, you just can't see the opportunity. But your enemy can see the opportunity. And he's fighting against you. He's pushing against you. He wants to wear you down and wear you out. And, and you know what's so interesting is Caleb backs up and, and watch what he says. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he says. We can enter, we can certainly conquer it. So he's like, I'll fight them right now. Come on. There's always somebody in the camp that doesn't care. Did anyone here have a friend in high school who was little, but nobody wanted to fight him? You know what I mean? It's just like you look at him, you're like, you're not afraid to get punched. Then he's just like, come on, come on. He's like, let's just go fight these guys. I'm tired of being a slave. I'm tired of being in the wilderness. Let's get with God and let's fight. And there's always a certain line where somebody has had enough is enough. Where you've said, I've tried doing this by myself and I'm done trying to do this by myself. God, I want you. Let's go. Some of you are here today. You haven't been to church in months, weeks, years. You, you are ready for the season to change. You're ready for the season to change. You're tired of the wilderness. You're tired of the season that you've been in. You want God and you want to fight. And let's just get through this and get this season behind us. That's how Caleb was. Well, they, Caleb had some opposition. Now watch this. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. Has anybody ever seen somebody who is negative and pessimistic and they can't keep their negative thoughts to themselves and they spread it like cancer? Aren't those people a pain in the neck? All right, well, that's who, that's who, Kate, if you're sitting next to that person, don't point, by the way. All right, don't point at them. Don't point at them. All right. 
Um, in the land, so, so they spread this bad news. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. Let's not try because we're going to fail. I was talking with somebody the other day. He wants to start a business so bad, but he's afraid to fail. He's just afraid to fail. And I told him, I said, have you ever failed at anything? Have you ever failed? I'm not saying you've made a mistake. You've made a mistake. You've messed up. You're not going to fail. You're not going to fail. Just get out there and start swinging. So this way, all the people saw that they were huge. We even saw giants there. And so these people were so overwhelmed. They're looking at the opportunity. And they're backing off. And so they have an opportunity to be happy. They have an opportunity to experience what God has promised them. But there's three things that all happy people have got to accept. And number one is their identity. See, they saw themselves as weak. They saw themselves as not big enough to fight. You know, identity is a huge issue. It's a huge issue. Um, I'm so glad um, that uh, I'm a guy because of a million reasons. But right at the top of the list is... I feel like women have to, they've got this, this mental battle in their head with self-image. That's just a greater battle than men have to fight. And it's a very difficult battle to be able to be comfortable with your identity. And when you're not comfortable with your identity, and you're not confident with your identity, you seem to, to hold back. I can remember when, um, I've shared this story before, it's the only story that's come to my mind. When I was 18 in high school, I was the most confident, outgoing person in my school. I mean, by far. And um, my freshman year in college, I started noticing that I was losing my hair. Now, when you're 19, going into college, that is not what you want to experience. And uh, man, I, I went into the throes of depression, man. I, I went into so far into depression, you would not believe it. And uh, I was reading my Bible because it was like, I'm at the bottom. It's always interesting on how we go to God as our last resort instead of our first option, right? And so if I would have went to him as my first option, maybe I wouldn't have gone that low. But it's too late. I'm that low. And I'm just like, just... It looks like black ants on a page. Have you ever been there? It's just like you just turn and the whole thing. And I came to this scripture in Proverbs chapter 3 verse 26. It says, I will be your confidence. And I got mad at God. I don't know if you've ever gotten mad at God. But I've got, I got mad at God. And, and I started crying because I'm afraid to be mad at God. But I was mad. And I said, God, what are you going to do? Am I going to wake up in the morning? I'm going to have an afro. Like, how are you going to give me my confidence back? Am I going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to look like Brad Pitt? And, and this was the time when that man on Snowy River movie was coming out. And he comes riding over a horse with that long blonde hair. His name was Tristan. I was like, I'm going to name my son Tristan. That's... It, and all of a sudden, people were naming their kids Tristan. I almost named myself Tristan. Like, my new name is Tristan. Well, anyway, he comes out long hair. I'm looking. And, and I'm, I was like, God, what in the world? And I started crying. 
I remember crying, and for months and months, I think it was even longer than that, years just crying, because my confidence was so incredibly low. And when your confidence is low and your identity is low, things don't move at the pace that they should move in life. You're down, you're distraught, you're discouraged, and you're not moving because you're down. You're discouraged, and you're looking at other people that just have it all together. And, and uh, I want to say that that's what happened. Their time in the wilderness should have only been two years. Learn how to worship, take the promised land. It ended up being 40 years because they didn't know their identity. You know, I have this uh, badge right here. Uh, this is a deputy. It's a real badge. It's kind of cool. Deputy Harris County Constable Department. It's a real badge. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting because, um, let me see if I can put it on here. Ouch! Just kidding. Um, you know when you get pulled over by the cops? Go ahead and raise your hand. You've been pulled over lately. <laughs> Are there any cops in here? Let's just establish that right off the bat. Before I have too much fun with this illustration, I need to know if I'm getting a ticket just for... Okay, any cops in here? Any cops in here? All right. In the first service, we had a cop, and I had to edit my, my message just for him. But anyway, I, yeah, I get I get, uh, I get pulled over, and it's so interesting to me because when they, they pull you over for speeding, and then they don't get out of their car for like an hour. You know what I mean? It's like they're going to make you sit there. And I don't know what they're doing in there. He's like messing with his computer. He's checking his email on his computer. He's, you know, retexting people. I don't know what they're doing in there. Sitting playing Rubik's Cube, whatever. I don't know. But they're going to make you wait, right? And then they come out and it's just like nice and slow. And they always ask the same questions. You in a hurry? Right? And, and you can't say what you want to say. You want to say, no, I'm not in a hurry. I like to go fast. <laughs> right? You, you want to say, look, they made my car to go 110. You want me to go 20 or 30 or 40. I, that doesn't work for this. <laughs> but why don't we say that? Why don't we say, don't you have anything better to do? Why don't we say, have, has everybody stopped doing drugs? Is there no more homicides in the city of Houston? Is that why you're pulling me over? Nobody's doing drugs. Nobody's hurting it. There's no thieves out in the state of Texas, so you're pulling me over for speeding. Right? These are just hypothetical thoughts that... There's no more druggy guys out there that you can go bust, so you can pull me over. Okay, all right, all right. Why don't I say that? And why don't you say the thoughts that cross your mind when he comes walking up to your door? It's because of that right there. That right there. He has the entire state of Texas behind him. The entire state of Texas. You don't know the guy's name. You don't even care what his name is. The minute he gets out of his car, and that is right there. The game is over. Game, set, match. He has already CB'd you in. The whole, there's switchboards. 
the entire state of Texas. He comes walking up with a flashlight. Hey, hey, son. Anytime they start a, a sentence off with son, it's not going good. Hey, son. The entire state of Texas. See, that's his identity when he's got this on there. We need to have the same exact confidence. It's not just us. It's not just the cop. It's the whole state of Texas you're dealing with. It's not just you. It is, it is your father. You've got God before you. You've got God behind you. You've got God above you. You've got God beneath you. You've got God inside of you. Let me say it again. You've got God, the creator of the universe. He hangs planets. Do you know that earth is balanced? and being hung by nothing he just said stay right there he's got the ocean you can go but you have to stop here what's keeping you stop right there he tells the ocean when to stop he tells the wind when to go he tells the waves when to move and that is your father that is your father when you wake up in the morning God is before you when you go down the street he is before you he's behind you he's above you he's beneath you he's inside of you he is everywhere and when we know that when we know that we don't get into these depression we don't get into thought into these 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 ruts of life we don't get discouraged the same way why it's not just me you're dealing with it's not just me you're dealing with it's not just me have you ever looked at a cop and like i should tell you a thing or two and then you go i don't think so why? Because you're afraid of him? It's not him. That's right. Texas is a bad state, boy. You don't want to mess with Texas. That, that little slogan, don't mess with Texas, has nothing to do with littering. Let me just tell you. <laughs> we got concealed handguns everywhere. Don't mess with Texas. You look at that cop and go, I'm going to tell you a little. No, I don't think so. That's exactly the mentality that we have to have. So number one is identity. And I'm going to take this off right now because I've been stabbing myself for that whole first point. Ouch. The second one is their strategy. Their strategy was they were going to fight these guys imano imano. And that's not the strategy that we need to have. The strategy that we need to have is actually a dual strategy. Number one, it's your part. Number two, it's God's part. Just think about your strategy as the same strategy that you have when you make a ham sandwich. When you make a ham sandwich, what is your strategy? It starts off with two pieces of bread. You have to have two pieces of bread or your ham sandwich is going to fall apart. You got to have both. You got to have your part and you've got to have God's part. Let's talk about what our part is. Our part is a process that's in the Bible called sowing, reaping, harvest. So let's unpack this. Grab your pens and write this down. The first thing you do is prepare the ground. 
That's the first thing you do when you begin to sow. You look at some ground and you say, this is where I want to have a harvest. This is where it's at. Now you may say, it's in my marriage. It's in my work. I've got some health goals that I want to have. You pick out the ground. You pick out the spot. You pick out the place. Now the Joneses may pick out finances. The Smiths may pick out marriage. The, 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 the Thompsons may pick out spiritual. But you got to pick out the ground. You, first thing you do, pick out the ground. Second thing you do is we put some seed in. Whatever it is, you got to make an investment. Oftentimes we want a return with no investment. What are you going to put in the mix? You want a good marriage? Don't tell me what you want your wife to do. What are you going to do? Amen. Right? Don't tell me what you want your husband to do. What are you going to do? You want a great relationship with God? What are you going to do? Investment. And then number two is that there's a watering part. Now, the watering part is the discipline. It's the discipline. What are you going to do every single day? Every single day. Every single day. See, it, it's, a four-year-old can pick out where harvest needs to be. You've got to be a little bit older and wiser to make an investment. But you've got to be mature to have a discipline. I've said it many times. I'll say it again. I got it out of the book, The Road to Less Traveled by Scott Peck. He says it this way. If you have a lot of discipline, I've said it like seven times in seven weeks. Let me keep saying it. If you have a lot of discipline, you'll solve a lot of problems. If you have a little bit of discipline, you'll solve some problems. If you have no discipline, you won't solve any problems. You, you got to water that seed. You got to water it. You don't water it, it's not going to happen. You got to water it. Discipline, discipline, discipline. What are you going to do every day? Every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. Uh, George ran the 10 for Texas yesterday. Stand up, George. Go ahead, stand up. It's a 10 mile race. Boom. Now, you, you know what's interesting is I ran the race too, but I never saw him. He finished like a half hour before me. He was like at the showers, showering up, eating Subway and Bluebell. And I'm so, <laughs> Jesus, help me. Help me, Jesus. Help, help me, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> help me, Jesus. I come running across the line, the finish line. I come running across and I just keep walking. <laughs> I, I walked all the way out of Market Street. All of a sudden I hear this, Frankie, Frankie. I'm like, who's? calling me i turn hi hi it's george it's like dude where are you going where are you going man i was like uh you going to your car i was like no my car's over there <laughs> well where are you going i i, I can't breathe i can't breathe I'm, I'm gonna walk till i can breathe again you know what the difference between he and i are is he actually runs he works out he does this you don't just wake up in the morning and go i'm gonna go for a run today <laughs> He actually runs. He works out every single day, every single day, every single day. You know what I do? I do it sometimes. <laughs> I, 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 twice a week. You don't get to run fast doing that twice a week. George is like the flash. I don't like him that much. <laughs> So after your water and the discipline, then it's the weed pulling time. 
Weed pulling time. You know what weeds do? Weeds kill grass. You got a lot of weeds that's going to kill your grass. You got a lot of weeds that's going to kill your fruit. You got a lot of weeds in your garden that's going to kill your vegetables. You got to pull the weeds. I hate pulling weeds. I enjoy mowing my grass once a week. I actually enjoy it. Some people hate it. I enjoy it. But I hate pulling weeds. What in your life is going against the discipline? You know what goes against the discipline of me running every single day? ESPN. Uh, I've had a hard day. I should go run. But ESPN is on. It's always on. That's what I love about ESPN. It's always on. You know, that goes against. What is the weed? What is the weed? Let me just say this. I don't know why it's coming to my mind, but I feel like I need to say this. You cannot invest into your marriage... And you cannot have a discipline into your marriage. And then having a weed of Facebook of a relationship that your spouse doesn't know about. You can't have that. You can't have that. Let me just tell you something. Facebook has been one of the greatest causes of divorce that I've ever seen. And let me say this as well. Um, uh, What's that sweat, that, that workout thing that I was telling you about? CrossFit. Now, I know there might be people here that own a CrossFit business, and so I don't want to, like, shoot down CrossFit because I want your business to be very successful. But what I've noticed, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I just feel the Holy Spirit. As a pastor, I talk with people that are struggling in their marriage all the time, and one of them's in CrossFit. Now, you may say, hey, that's just a coincidence. Let me explain to you what's happening in CrossFit. Come here, uh, Isaiah. So here's, let me, let me finish this. God help me. You ever feel like you're walking through a landmine? <laughs> That's what I feel like right now. All right. So do squats, Isaiah. Do squats. This is what's happening at CrossFit. It's a small box. Now, time out, time out. Now, when you go to 24-hour fitness, you walk in, you don't talk to anybody, you walk out, you're done. Sometimes you might go with a workout partner, you work out, you walk in, you walk out, you're done. If you're a runner, if you ride bikes, if you swim, you go, you do your thing, you leave, you might know two or three people. That's not the way it is in CrossFit. In CrossFit, it's a small group of people, and there's lots of this. Go ahead and do some squats. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Keep going. Come on. You got two more. You got two more. Come on, baby. Come on. You got two more. So now, now watch this. Come here, Terry. Come here, Pam. Come here, Omar. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here, Crystal. Come here, Crystal. This is what's happening at CrossFit. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got two more. You got two more. You got two more. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, we're all wearing, like, skinny stuff, right? Because we're all working out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Now, now, just just imagine Isaiah's a girl, okay? Because I could bring up a girl for this illustration, but it's too weird. Imagine he's a girl. Go ahead. Go ahead. Keep squatting. Oh, yeah. You're looking good. Looking good. Looking good, looking good. Give me two more. Yeah, 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 yeah. Give me two more. Now, Isaiah, who's still a girl, Isaiah, Isaiah. Work with me, bud. Work with me, girl. She's all pumped up. She's feeling good. Because we're supporting her, we're getting behind her, and we're lifting her up, man. Hey, you're losing 12 pounds, man. Your thighs are looking really good, girl. Keep it up, keep it up. She goes home to her husband. 
Now it's going to get awkward. Because the husband's not complimenting like this crew was. The husband ain't going, hey girl, look at that, look at that girl, come on girl. The husband, he's tired. He's tired. He's, he, oh my gosh. Ugh. Ugh. Husband's been working all day. The wife has been going, yeah, yeah. And the guy's been going, hell yeah. Oh yeah. Go ahead, girl. That only happens at CrossFit. But then this is what's interesting. The couple will come for counseling. I don't know why I'm getting into this, Lord. I hope it's you. The couple will come. <laughs> I hope it's you. The couple will come from counseling. And then I'll say to the husband, well, why don't you join CrossFit? And the wife will go, no. Well, why not? Because that's like my friends. That's, where, that's like my only place. Ah. Okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. I quit, but I get it. Do, do you see what I'm saying? That, that affirmation, that social affirmation happens in a CrossFit world that doesn't happen anywhere else. I did a triathlon a couple years back. I swam, I biked, and I, 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 uh, I ran. And then I had to do, go to the gym and work out for core stuff. All that is alone. Maybe one other guy. But this ain't happening. Woo! Yeah! Come on, come on, come on. Yeah, come on, you got two more. Woo! Yeah, 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 yeah. You're getting an emotional stroke that you don't get anywhere else. So if you own, and I, I, I'm a big, you guys can go ahead and sit down. I'm a big proponent of entrepreneurs. Big proponent. So if you own a CrossFit, spiritually manage your business. That's how I want to say that. Spiritually manage your business. Manage it. Don't shut it down. Don't shut it down because there's too many good things happening. But spiritually manage your business. If you go to CrossFit, and um, I just want you to know, we got people on our staff, our pastoral staff, who goes to CrossFit. And I'm like, awesome, you're looking... Uh, <laughs> I'm like, awesome. Keep up the good work. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm getting sweaty. <laughs> I'm like, awesome. Keep it up. So we got people on our pastoral staff, and I'm not egging them on to quit. Just keep on it, man. You're doing awesome. I'm saying that there is a spiritual responsibility when it comes to being in environments like that, when it comes to being in environments like Facebook, because what ends up happening is that weeds get in the garden. The other part of the sandwich, the other part is God's part. And uh, uh, it says this in in, um, um, Zechariah 4, 6. It's not by might nor by power, but by his spirit, says the Lord. By his spirit. I, I know people who invest hundreds, if not thousands of dollars into their company. And nothing seems to get better. They're watering. They're investing. They're watering. They're investing. They're watering. They're investing. But nothing's getting better. Why? Because it's not by might nor by strength. But it's by his spirit. It takes both pieces of bread. It takes our work. It takes God's work. Last point is destiny, to be able to walk in the destiny. 
The destiny is to be happy, to be content, to be joyful. And it's not going to happen when you finally retire. It's not going to happen when you finally graduate. It's not going to happen when you finally reach this stage or reach this goal. That's not going to happen. It's going to happen in the middle of the process. Moses had already passed away. Joshua, you can come on up, Isaiah. Joshua was now the new leader. He shows up and he says, okay, guys, it's been 40 years. It's been 40 years since we've been out here. We've been looking at the promised land. We've been wandering around for 40 years. He says, is anybody done? Are you done wandering around? And, and I just want to ask you that question to some of you in the room. Are, are you done wandering around? And so Joshua says, let's go get it. And so he does exactly what Moses does. He says, let's send some spies in there. Send some spies. I want you to come back and tell me what you see. The spies come back and they go, the city is actually bigger. We had to, we had to sneak out of this woman's window and go down this wall because they got this big wall now. They didn't have that before. See, when you got a weed in your life, if you don't get it out, it actually gets bigger. The, the problem gets bigger. The issue gets bigger. Have you ever gotten to an argument with somebody and so you don't talk to them all day long? And then two days go by and you haven't talked to them. Then three days go by and you haven't talked to them. Make this mental note. When you're not talking to each other, the devil's talking to both of you. But is it harder to talk to them on the third day than it was on the first day? Oh, yeah. Because now we're playing a game. Who's going to break the silence first, right? What if you go a week? Is it harder then than it was the first day? Oh, yeah. Because the longer you leave a weed, the stronger it gets. You know, I had this weed in, my, in, in our front yard. It had been there so long. I started watering it because I thought it was a plant. <laughs> Allie told me to go out there and pull it. I was like, no, I've been watering that thing. Look at it. It's growing like a weed. She's like, it is. I went out there to pull it out. I promise. I went just like it was before I was on my way to work. So I'm wearing work clothes. And I go out there. I'm like, I was like, this ain't worth it. I'm not going to get all sweaty over this thing. It was so deep that... You can't let that stuff grow. You can't let that stuff grow. So Joshua says, okay, bring the spies back. I understand that the city is bigger. I understand that the walls are higher. But is anybody ready to go? Are you, are you ready to go fight it? He said, yeah, let's go. So they go towards the promised land. But before they could, they had to cross this huge river called the Jordan River. Getting across the river was no easy task it was so incredibly difficult that it required a miracle i don't have the time to get into it but it's so interesting that when you go through a tough season then you back up and you go and we're not even there yet like the goal is so far away and i'm, I'm getting through this tough season and god tells joshua i want tw the 12 leaders that you have because the million people were broken up into 12 tribes, the 12 leaders that you have, have each of them grab one rock and stack up a small altar right next to the River Jordan. Because I know that we got bigger goals. 
I know that you're wanting the promised land, but we just had a moment here. And we need to stop and we need to celebrate and we need to honor this moment that just took place just now. And they built up an altar. And I just want to say that today, today, do you know that the Lord made today? When you opened up your closet, you backed up and you went, hmm, what should I wear? Was that a blessing or not? Was it a blessing that you got in your car and drove here? Did anyone here have to walk 50 miles to come to church today? Did anyone here? You're sitting. When you go home, you're going to grab that little box and go, oh, now it's just the right temperature. You're going to go eat today. You're going to have, you're going to walk on carpet today. To reach that place where we're worshiping him and we're thanking him and we're refusing to worry about problems that don't come for another six months from now. We're not going to worry about problems that don't come for another six weeks from now. Today's Sunday and today rocks. I don't know about Monday. I don't know about Tuesday, but Sunday rocks. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together. Absolutely. And what is all this? This is knowing your identity. You know who you are. You're the son and daughter of God. He's before you. He's behind you. He's above you. He's beneath you. You're the son of God. You know the process. You're going to water. You're going to invest. You're going to have discipline. But you know at the end of the day, God's going to make it happen. And then you know your destiny. You know today I'm going to worship today. I don't know what tomorrow has. Tomorrow might be the worst day ever. I doubt it because God's before me and behind me. But today rocks the identity. It's the process. It's the destiny. 